popular technology radio. Your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Welcome to this week's episode of Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and our show is brought to you by Bridgestone. They're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. This week, we're talking cybersecurity and fitness wearables. Later in the show, we'll be talking to Dr. Eric Cole. He's a cybersecurity expert. But right now, we're going to talk to Kurt Von Bedinsky. He's the co-founder and CTO of Motive, M-O-T-I-V. It is a fitness tracker, heartbeat sensor, sleep tracker, fitness wearable that is the same size as my wedding band, and it has a three-day battery life. So, Kurt, how long did it take to develop this? I can't imagine it was easy. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's taken a while. You know, most, most startups, they come out with one product, and we came out with 14. So that was challenge number one. You know, essentially, we have seven, seven sizes and uh, two colors. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we started about four years ago. It was just an idea in my head. And, um, you know, at the time, I, was, I had another company, and uh, I was working a lot. I, I didn't get a lot of sleep. And so, essentially, I work at the computer and, until I was tired, and then I kind of roll away from the computer and lay on a cot and sleep for a little while. And just everything about my life was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Just a lot of, a lot of work and not a lot of sleep. And so, you know, the, the impetus for the idea was basically to come up with a way of, uh, of tracking my sleep and my activity that was a little bit more comfortable with it than what I was used to. So, you know, a lot of the devices that are out there, you wear a wrist mount, uh, device and it's something that really, you know, specifically to me, it's just, it was always uncomfortable. I wear long, long sleeve shirts or jackets and it'd get caught on it. Or, you know, I tried to sleep and it would always kind of keep me up. Uh, so, you know, that was the main reason for it was to, to try to make something that was, um, you know, something that was actually wearable, you know, something that was comfortable you can wear all the time. And so when we started, you know, started the process, we basically wanted to figure out how big this thing should be. And, you know, there's a lot of ways you can go about it. You could say, hey, I want a ring that is, you know, pretty close to a normal ring, uh, and then put a gigantic battery on top of it, or you could try to put a big jewel on top of it. Um, the, that's the easy path. We chose the, probably the most complicated and difficult path. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think in the end we came up with a form factor that's pretty compelling. Um, but in terms of the number of units that, or number of processes that we went through in prototypes, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds. Uh, it took a lot of effort to, to get all the little aspects of it just right. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, the fact that it's just barely bigger than my actual wedding ring, uh, one, it makes me more likely to want to wear it because it doesn't, I don't know, I've never really been a watch guy, so the Apple Watch, I'm kind of in that camp of people that's just not into the Apple Watch. Um, and it also, uh, with any of the um, smart watches, it, it tends to start pushing that upper limit of like, you know, three, $400 for a, a wearable. Um, but, but this, this form factor, it's just so small and also able to keep a charge much longer than, than a lot of its competitors. Uh, it just kind of it, is, it checks a lot of the boxes for, for, uh, why people would want to wear something and, and doesn't check the boxes for the annoyance factors. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there, it's certainly annoying to some people. And I mean, I'm, it's, it's, it's really easy to look at all the other offerings and say, um, you know, they have, they have major, major flaws. And I mean, some people are excited about some of the features, but I think a large demographic of people really don't need more distraction in their life. So I think one of the aspects about the ring is that it doesn't have a display. You know, we have, we, we affectionately call our display a three by one uh, <laughs> LED display. Essentially, it's red, green, and blue. 
but the idea behind it is that we want we didn't want to distract people. We wanted to give them what they needed. We wanted to be able to get the data they needed that was actionable. Um, actually, have a device they feel comfortable wearing all day. Um, and, and you know, you could probably attest to this. Everything in our life is trying to distract us these days from you know speakers at home to your TV to your laptop. Uh, you know, so I think having having a device in today's world where we're not trying to distract you, but still giving you a lot of value, I think, is a, is a pretty compelling option for people. Don't go anywhere. There's more Pop Tech Radio right after the break. On the track, even one hundredth of a second decides who wins and who loses. That's why Bridgestone uses advanced racing technology to create their fastest street legal replacement tire yet. The new Bridgestone Potenza RE71R. Engineered with an innovative hydroevacuation surface and unique tread compounds, the new Potenza RE71R is designed to give you maximum grip and ultimate cornering on or off the track. Bridgestone is changing the game in tire performance. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and we're still talking with Kurt Von Bedinsky from Motive, the fitness tracking ring. Kurt, I imagine this is really convenient for people who don't have time to charge a fitness device every time they want to use it, or like the Apple Watch, charge it every day. Yeah, I think that happens a lot. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of people that have very busy schedules, and sometimes it's not an option to wait an hour for it to charge, right? So I think, you know, we try to make something that was. Uh, that had a decent battery life, and you know one of the challenges with a ring is that it's it's something that uh, it's so small. It's it's really a challenge to actually get a battery life that significant in such a small form factor. So we spent a lot of time on the on the battery technology that goes into this. You basically we had to make custom cells and uh, put a lot of effort and engineering efforts that it took us over a year to get the battery just right. Uh, and then the other side of it is like on the on the you know the board side for the the components that are inside and the circuit board, how all that's constructed and you know, making a very low power system that actually has all the functionality that you need, but also has the battery life and, and packing that all into a space that's about a tenth of what our competition has. You know, so it's, it's certainly, you know, we're, we're very cognizant of what, uh, what is frustrating with a lot, of, a lot of devices out there. And we try to really address it as best as possible in a, in a form factor that I think, I think it has a, lot of, uh, has a lot of runway. There's a lot of exciting things uh, that, that can be done with it. Right. It's really impressive that you're able to fit all of this in there. I mean, you're, you've got a, uh, I don't know what the word for it is, but it looks similar to the flashing green light on the bottom of an Apple Watch. What is the word for that type of heartbeat sensor? Uh, it's called a PPG sensor. Don't ask me to pronounce it because it, the acronym is much easier and more elegant. <laughs> but okay. uh, essentially, we're using light. So you, you shoot light into your skin and your oxygenated and non-oxygenated blood reflect differently so you can look at the signal coming back and figure out what your heart rate is. Um, that, that little sensor uh, basically runs all day. We periodically check throughout the day and look and see if you're, do- if you're being active or if you're sleeping or if you're walking or running. And then we can cl- classify your activity and be able to tell you information about those activities. So, you know, we can tell you when you went to bed, when you got up. We can look at the restlessness of your sleep, you know, if you were, you know, tossing and turning a lot. Uh, we can look and say, hey, you know, we think you were doing an activity here, and then you can classify it. If it's not walking or running, you can say I was, you know, skiing or I was, you know, doing some other activity like shuffleboard. I don't know, whatever the activity might be. Or arguing. But the idea is that, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's P- Pacing and yelling. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that might be an activity for some people, but uh, I, I'll have to put that in the list of uh, ones we're going to have to add down the road. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's made our interface very straightforward. It's very, um, there's, a, there's a lot of, um, you know, pretty pictures and cards and things to really walk people through exactly what's going on throughout their day. Uh, so they can track their active minutes, you know, basically times where their heart is actually uh, in a zone where it's actually uh, beneficial to the, uh, to the customer in terms of, you know, um, longevity and things like that. Uh, and then in addition, you know, we keep track of when you went to bed and when we got up, and it does that automatically. You don't actually have to log it. You don't have to tell it when you usually go to bed. It just finds it and does it. Uh, even catches naps. So if, I don't know if you had an opportunity when you're using it. Um, take a nap in the afternoon and see if it catches it. It's pretty interesting when it just grabs like one hour, half hour naps in the afternoon. It's always kind of – I'm always kind of creeped out because I, I, I know exactly how this technology works, but it's still – it's still so cool to see it in action and have it have it uh, pop up with these little cards that uh, give you some insights. So it kind of shows you some things that you are doing uh, in ways that you might not have noticed that you were doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the uh, the interesting aspect of this is just uh, it for for long term being able to look at it and see what's going on is is pretty impressive. Um, you know, like. I, w- I went on a trip to Asia, and to, to see my sleep cycles completely shifted and staying exactly what my, with uh, what my sleep cycles were at home, even though I was in Asia, is kind of interesting. And then when you when you, when you go back and then seeing how things kind of play out, you know, other things that are kind of interesting about this is that being a device that you can wear all the time, we can actually get your resting heart rate. So a lot of devices try to do this, but if it's you know, if your device is being charged on a nightstand next to your bed, it's really difficult to actually get that resting heart rate value. So since we can get that, we can actually track that over time, and we actually roll that into our process of being able to determine active minute thresholds and, and being able to get to the right, uh, the right threshold for, for your heart health and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think one of the, uh, the interesting things with resting heart rate also is that things throughout your life, like, you know, if you go out and have a night on the town and you're drinking or if you're getting less rest than you normally do, you can actually see your resting heart rate change over time. Uh, so... It's all those little things that kind of add up to a pretty interesting experience. Yeah, and I, I was wondering about that. So being that you are able to see people's resting heart rate and it's change over time and things, um, if, if somebody's resting heart rate is like way too high, are there a little card or something that comes up that says, hey, you might want to go to the doctor or something like that? You know, it's, that, that starts getting into some territory that's a little bit beyond what, uh, what, a, st- what a, a company of our size is able to claim. And, you know, as, as much as we'd like to be able to give that kind of insight, it's unfortunately frowned upon by a number of governmental organizations. So, oh, really? Um, we, yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you do the research, you know, as soon as you start getting into recommendation territory, you really do need to have FDA certifications and a number of other things. So what we try to do is we try to portray, uh, present the information that we've gathered uh, and then there's a number of ways users can go about finding out what that information means. Um, so there's there's plenty of uh, information. I believe we have some blog information about what what all that data means, and then the user can take it upon themselves to to go deeper and figure out if they need to to pursue any other actions on their side. I see. That's interesting. I, I really hadn't considered uh, e- even needing to get the okay to tell somebody you should probably see a doctor. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's delicate. I mean, because if you think about in this respect, um, you know, nothing is infallible in life, right? There might be something where some weird thing happened uh, in the environment of the person wearing the device, and maybe it gives a, a reading that might be a little bit errant. And if we make a recommendation based off an invalid reading, that puts us in a really bad position and also puts the user in a bad position. So we prefer to give them the data 
you know, to the best of our ability, make these measurements as accurately as possible, and then give them a path to be able to figure out where that, where, where that information leads them. Craftsman is celebrating over 90 years of innovation. Since 1927, they've put hardworking tools into the hands of makers and mechanics. I've had Craftsman tools in my garage for decades, so I know firsthand that Craftsman comprehensive automotive tools and garage storage solutions will help you tackle your next project with confidence, whether you be a shade tree mechanic or a certified pro. So visit your local Ace Hardware or check out Craftsman.com to shop the latest hand tools, power tools, lawn and garden equipment, smart products, storage solutions, and a whole lot more. That's Craftsman.com. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and I'm still talking with Kurt Von Bedinsky. He's the co-founder and CTO of Motiv, M-O-T-I-V. So, Kurt, you launched your product September of last year. Uh, how are they selling? What's the response been? And how are you going to move forward with this product? I imagine you're going to be collecting a lot of data and making updates to the app. So, yeah, we actually, you know, we launched in September. Things are going really well. You know, being a startup, you know, first first generation product, we're, we're pushing out very quickly. Uh, we have a lot of really great feedback. Our, our customers are amazing. Um, you know, I think as a as a technological company, we're we're always looking at the next thing and always moving forward very quickly. Uh, so the big stuff that we're working on right now internally is uh, continuing software developments and adding more and more functionality to the to the software experience. Because as I said before, you know, the hardware, you know, once you put it out out there in the world, that is what it is. And what you glean from the information from the hardware is where it really gets exciting. You know, so. Right. Adding additional functionality, like we just recently added in HealthKit. Uh, we added in uh, some other functionality where eventually we're going to have the ability to have some sharing uh, functionality where you can share your accomplishments with others. You know, so we're we're going to keep pushing the bounds on that on that front, um, and you know we'll see we'll see where we go and with the with the next product. We have a lot of a lot of great things down the road. Right, right now it comes in uh, a, a slate gray or, or a dark black look and a um, rose gold. Uh, do you have any mm-hmm. plans in the future for other colors or silicone uh, coverings instead of metal or anything like that? Uh, you know, all those all those options are on the table. You know, usually what, what this stuff boils down to is what, uh, what feedback we get from customers. So we're doing a lot of investigations on that. Um, believe me, there's no shortage of opinions as far as what we should come out with next for colors. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, everybody has their preference. I'm sure there's people that want pink and people that want purple. So, you know, for us, it's just a matter of picking the one that has the, 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 widest, um, the widest advantage for our customers. But I think, you know, and, and you, you kind of alluded to some things like silicon bands and things like that. I think you know any wearable has got a lot of uh, a lot of challenges. Uh, a ring is especially challenging in that it's it's on the kind of it's at the tip of the spear uh, as <laughs> as a lot of people would say in, in uh, uh, I don't know in history. But basically, you know when you're when you're using your hands, you're touching things, you're grabbing things, you're rubbing rubbing your hand on the counter, picking device uh, other things up. As you do that throughout the day, a ring gets a lot of um, a lot of activity versus a wrist-mounted device might not get very much. So we put a lot of time and effort into making it as durable as possible in a ring form factor. Uh, so it's made out of titanium. It's a pretty pretty rugged material. It takes a lot of effort to machine it. It's actually machined from a solid piece of metal. It's not like it's stamped or rolled. Um, and that become that became quite a challenge to get it where we wanted it to be uh, from a manufacturing perspective. 
we went above and beyond and put a PVD coating on it. Uh, so this is a physical vapor deposition coating, which gives it a lot more durability than just the basic material that it's built, built from. Um, so there's, you know, basically one thing after another, we, you know, kind of nailed it down one after another and added more and more functionality to this to, um, you know, to make it as durable as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even think about like, is this waterproof until I was like already in the shower with it? And I'm like, Oh, I guess I better go look online. And then of course I looked and it is waterproof up to like 150 feet. So really there, there's nothing about this ring that I was able to look into that, disappointed me in any way so i, I really have to just hand it to you guys um, in making a great product oh great i really appreciate it i think uh, glad to hear it and i and i think you know kind of a, a funny story about the waterproofing is when we first started making our prototypes uh we had these prototypes that we probably spent about twenty five hundred dollars a piece on um you know custom machined hand assembled but at that point in time uh this is like you know probably about two and a half years ago they weren't waterproof at that time so we'd hand them to our engineers we had about a dozen of these and handed them out. We're like, hey, you can use this for testing. Do not wash your hands because it will destroy the ring. And lo and behold, within two days, every single one of those was destroyed because they all forgot that they were wearing it when they washed their hands. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, but that's a testament to how easy it is to wear because you forget that you're wearing yeah. it. Yeah, and that's exactly the case. It's like, you know, even if you know it's expensive, uh, you know, at that point in time, and the engineers still managed to do that, we knew we had a we had a good proposition at that point. So it was pretty exciting. <laughs> that's a great problem to have. At the same time. So before we go, is there anything else you want to let people know about the product as it exists now, uh, the functionality of the app, or anything you want to talk about moving forward? No, just the top-level stuff. I think we kind of spoke about most of it, but, um, you know, one of the exciting other things about this is the, you know, the, even though the battery lasts three days, when you do have to charge it, there's a charger that comes with it. You probably get a chance to play around with that a little bit. Uh, so this is a USB charger. It just lives on your keychain. You just pop it into your computer and put the ring on, and it charges up. It takes like an hour and a half or so. Um, you know, and as as we pointed out a little bit earlier, just the waterproof and you know, the ability to actually wear this thing all the time and actually capture everything that you need and not be distracted. And I think, you know, I think that pretty much summarizes it all. We're really excited about it. You know, we've, uh, we've had a lot of great response and you know, love, love it when uh, folks like yourself are excited about it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the charger because that's another thing that um, I know that people in my life, like my dad has an Apple watch and he's constantly like, he'll bring the charger to work and then he'll need it at home and not have it. And, it gets to be cumbersome because it's a long cord and you got to either keep it in your pocket or in a backpack or something. And you, you guys were smart enough to uh, both make the charger for it very small, uh, give you two of them, one to leave at home and one to go on a keychain. And again, it just shows that you guys really recovered all your bases. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we have a really, really bright team here and I can't say enough about, uh, how lucky we are to have a have a team that can execute so well on stuff. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's been a fun ride, and you know we're excited about going forward and the next thing, next great thing. All right, well we'll look forward to having you on the show again anytime you like to tell us about new updates coming up or new products coming out. If anybody who is listening is interested in one of these rings, you can just go to mymotive.com. That's my and then m o t i v no e m o t i v dot com. This is Pop Tech Radio. We'll be right back. Maybe you're asking yourself, who is that guy in the mirror? What happened to the guy with the brass knuckle attitude? Maybe he just needs to decide, is that a tie around his neck or a leash? 
Join the Brotherhood of Muscle with an available 485 horsepower Dodge Charger or Dodge Challenger GT, the world's first all-wheel drive two-door muscle car at the Dodge Drive and Discover event. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to Popular Technology Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and we're now changing gears over to cybersecurity, talking with Dr. Eric Cole, Ph.D. He has a laundry list of titles, including 2014 inductee to the Info Security Hall of Fame, not to mention a member of the Commission on Cybersecurity for Barack Obama. Welcome to the show, Dr. Cole. I talked to you a few months ago, and you've since released a new book, Online Danger, How to Protect Yourself and Your Loved Ones from the Evil Side of the Internet. And the the evil side of the internet is always changing, right? What is new about the evil side of the internet? Because I, I know there's all kinds of weird stuff going on these days that is not what we've seen before. And you're spot on. The evil has always been there. But what's happening is the evil is spreading very rapid. To essentially anybody with a computing device that's connected to the internet is now being targeted. We saw the Olympic sites being targeted. We now see e-voting systems being targeted. We're seeing cell phones being targeted. People have to recognize that it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you're famous or not. If you have a computer, if you have a cell phone and you're connected to the internet, you are going to be targeted and you are going to be compromised. And that's the big problem is most people don't think they're going to be the victim. It's always going to happen to somebody else until it happens to them. Some of the new things that I've been seeing a lot lately is um, people using the web browsers of unsuspecting victims to get gain access to their CPUs to harvest cryptocurrencies. And then I've also seen... Um, there was an article out recently saying that there was an actual, uh, like a news site that this was just going to be their new model. Uh, like people don't want to pay for their the news on their site, so they just said, "Well, fine, we'll just use your computer while you're reading our news to to mine cryptocurrency." Is this the wave of the future, or do you think that is a misstep for this company doing that? Can I answer both? that i think it's a misstep but i also think it's the wave of the future because the easier you can make money the better it is and think about this most people are naive to the fact that you go to a site and instead of spending twenty dollars you just let them use your cpu and you can get access to twenty dollars worth of merchandise that sounds like a good deal what they don't realize is you're giving them total control of your computer. When you're going in and letting them use your CPUs, you have to install software that's monitoring your behavior, looking for low CPU cycles, and then utilizing that uh, computer when you're not accessing it, which means they have full visibility into what you're doing and what's happening. And to me, that's really the wave. Today's hackers are not about stealing your credit cards. They're not about stealing your identity. They're about gaining total control of your computer, gaining total control of your cell phone, and gaining total control of your life. And that's really the trend. It's not about a one-time infection or a virus. It's about total access to your electronic information. 
Yeah. Uh, boy, this. So, is there any way to 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 know if somebody's doing this? If your computer is starting to run slow, um, do you have uh, certain programs you recommend to scan if people are doing this? I don't imagine that all all antivirus softwares are equipped to to notice this kind of behavior. No, and that's the problem today, is giving a definition to what is a virus. What is a malicious piece of code? Because you have your endpoint security that if you don't have, you definitely should. It's not going to catch everything, but it provides a base level of protection. But the question now is, what do we categorize as malicious software or viruses? Yes, WannaCry that's ransomware is absolutely malicious. Something that's stealing my identity is absolutely malicious. But let me ask you a question. If I authorize a vendor to install software in my system and I'm letting them use my CPU cycle and I'm fully aware, is that really malicious? Most people would say no. Now the question is, where is the line? What if I install software that uses your CPU but you didn't approve and you're not fully aware? Is that still, full, is that still malicious? And the issue we have is this software has gotten so sensitive that anything you install on your computer, it's going to flag as malicious. So what do most people do? Ignore it or turn it off. And that's the dilemma we have today is most people are ignoring the security software because it generates way too many false positives for legitimate things that you're using on your system. So uh, on your home computer, is there a brand that you you like to use that, that doesn't get in your way and bog down your computer but still is able to catch these things? Or, or do you have your own special concoction that, that is not easy for the layman to follow? What I actually do, and it's very, very easy and simple, and it's what I do for a lot of my billionaire, high-worth clients that hire me to secure and protect their families and their individual residents, and it's multiple computers. I have two computers. I have one computer that is connected to the Internet, and I only use it for research, web surfing, and email. That's it. Nothing else is on it. There's no sensitive information or data. And then my banking, my finance, my company, all that is on a separate computer that doesn't have direct access to the Internet. So now if I do something stupid, which even security professionals stupid things, right? You're now going to have your system infected, but there's minimal impact because no sensitive data is there. So we really need to get to the point where we're separating and reducing the risk, just like we do in our house. Most people have locks on their front door, but they also have a safe. Why? Because there's information, whether you have gold or jewelry or money, that you want to have an extra level of protection so you have a safe in your house, so even if somebody breaks into your house, they can't get access to your valuables. That's the same thing we need to do in cyberspace. Set up a cyber a safe, which is done by having a second computer, to reduce and minimize the exposure. Okay, so would you recommend maybe doing all of your um, web browsing and stuff on, say, an iPad, and then have, if you have just the budget for one computer, or you already have one computer, do your banking and stuff on one computer, and then um, instead of buying a separate computer, do it on an iPad or Android device? Absolutely, and it is changing where Android is becoming more and more secure, but I actually prefer going and checking mail or doing things on iPhones and iPads. And the reason is twofold. One, most of your malicious software, 
most of your malicious links and emails or malicious attachments are built and targeted for Microsoft operating systems. So if you're not using a Microsoft operating system, it's not going to impact. Also, iPhones and iPads have built-in security from a boot-up perspective and is much harder, not impossible, but much harder to infect. So most of the time, if you're getting a malicious email and you open it on your iPhone, it won't infect you. But if you open it on your Windows box, it will. So that's what I always do. I get a ton of email and I don't know what is legitimate customers and what's not. So if in doubt, I just open it on my iPhone as a quick verification. And now I'm limiting and reducing my risk. Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Eric Cole, founder and CEO of Secure Anchor Consulting. You can visit him at onlinedanger.com. Let's get back to our conversation. Kids are getting um, smartphones, iPads, hand-me-downs. What do you recommend parents do to keep their kids safe? Are there um, are there apps that you recommend that keep them safe, or do we... Um, do we keep them in like emergency mode so they can only make calls from them or, or what's your, what's your method? So, so I take a different approach than most security professionals. Most security professionals will tell you install software that prevents and limits and, and doesn't let them do any of those things. Here's the problem. Let's face the reality. Your kids are smarter than you. My 18 year old son my 16-year-old daughter and my 12-year-old daughter, they are so much smarter than me that I know anything I do to try to stop them, if they want to do it, they'll figure out a way around it. So to me, the better solution is two things. One, educate your children. Most kids, if they know the dangers and they know the issues, they'll stop. My kids used to have 80 different apps on their phone that they never use, and I showed them how those apps can monitor their location, turn on their camera, and spy on them. And now they delete all the apps because now they realize what the danger is. Second is monitor and spot check. On all my kids' phones, I have my fingerprint so I can log in. If I put my finger on their iPhone and it doesn't log me in because they deleted it, their phone disappears for a week. Instant, instant removal because I need to be able to do spot checks and monitoring Second, we have central charging stations. So I don't let them bring their phones into their bedroom. When they get ready for bed, they put it in the kitchen. They plug it in in a central location and minimizing the frequency in which they use it. So minimizing frequency, monitoring via spot checks, and educating them to me is a much better way than being tricked that you actually think prevention software will stop your child because they will always figure out a way to bypass or get around it. Right. Um, credit card fraud is on the rise. What 
do people do? Uh, I mean, I, I like the website um, Credit Karma. Is there other uh, services that you recommend, or is this a do-it-yourself uh, situation? Do, do you like the credit monitoring companies, or do you like to just keep an eye on your stuff yourself? It's one of those things you can monitor yourself. You don't have to use credit monitoring services. You don't have to have other people watching it. But the reality is most people are too busy. Most people are too busy to actually do it themselves. So if you're not going to monitor and track closely, paying somebody to do it on your behalf is well worth it. Somebody has to be watching that activity. The other thing I urge folks is do instant pay verification. And what I mean by that is whenever you use your credit card, you should get a text message immediately that says there has just been a charge of $59 to your account. The reason why that's so important is most credit card fraud today is low dollar. It's not twenty dollars or $30,000. It's ten dollars or $15. I actually just had this happen. I got my credit card bill, and it was generally what I expected at the total value. But I checked every single line, and there were some charges from a store that I never went to in a city that I never went to, and they were only ten dollars or $15.00. And the total charges was only 75 bucks. But if I didn't check my statement very, very closely and verify, I would have missed that. So the problem is many people have credit card fraud occurring and they don't realize it because they don't check their bill or they don't get verification and they miss the small little charges that slip under the radar. What are some of the other topics that you're covering in this book for anybody who may uh, be just joining us or... Uh, for any of the topics that we might not have time to get to. What this really is are simple, actionable things that you can do in every area of your life to be safe online. So there's an area on protecting your children, talking about cyberbullying, cyberstalking. There's a chapter on identity theft. There's a chapter on being safe online. There's a chapter on online banking. All of the things that you use computers for, we finish every chapter with a checklist of simple things you can do. Because the way I look at security, security is not hard. It's just doing simple things on a consistent basis. It's developing good cyber hygiene. And the problem is most of us have good practices in the real world, but our cyber hygiene is terrible. And the simple example is if you were going to the mall tonight, and you're walking through a store, and a stranger comes up to you and says, what's your name, what's your phone number, where do you live? You'd look at them and be like, go away, right? You, you, you might have, if you were my kid, you'd start screaming, stranger danger, stranger danger, right? You would never engage with them. You know not to do that. But then you'll come home tonight from the mall, you'll open up your computer, you'll put in some term into the search engine, you'll click on a link, and it says, please give us your name, phone number, and address before you can access the content. And what do we do? Enter it in. If you wouldn't do it in the real world, don't do it in cyberspace. It's just raising your awareness and developing good cyber hygiene to protect yourself and your family.
Haynes, the worldwide leader in vehicle repair information for over 50 years, is now available in electronic format with Haynes Manuals Online. You get all the trusted content of the Haynes printed manuals, but with added features including over 750 color photographs, color wiring diagrams, and videos to help you do the job right. They're formatted for all electronic devices, and over 180 car, truck, and motorcycle titles are now available. The new Haynes Manuals Online are now available at Haynes.com. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters, and we're still talking with Dr. Eric Cole, founder and CEO of Secure Anchor Consulting. So, Dr. Cole, tell us about your daily regimen. Do you have a daily regimen for keeping yourself secure? I do, but I, I don't call it a regiment because they're habits. They're just things I do on a regular basis. So wh- what I will always do on a regular basis is if there's an attachment or there's an embedded link in an email, I never open it. I will send back saying, here's a secure way to transfer me a file, but I just do not open attachments. I do not click on links. I recognize there could be a small impact, but the benefits outweigh the risk, so I don't go in and take that chance. I also run uh, endpoint security 24-7. I have automatic patching done of my computer system. My cell phone that I only use when I'm away from my computer, I actually go in and re-image every week. So every Saturday morning when I wake up, I just go back and do a re-image of it, put back an original secure image, remove any data, and start from scratch. So this way, if my phone does get stolen, the exposure is minimized. And then also when I'm doing that, I back up all of my data to a removable USB drive every Saturday morning, and then I put that in a safe. So now, if I do make a mistake and get hit with ransomware, my data is still protected, secured, and isolated. If you get an email from PayPal or eBay or something like that, there is a chance it's not really from them. And it's because people have gotten better at masking where an email is coming from. Um, I recently got an email that was so convincing that looked like um, my PayPal needed to be updated. And I really almost put my information in until I went, okay, let me just double check this. And I was able to see more of the data of who had sent me the email. And it was from like, you know, PayPal XYZ at PayPal.com or something like that. Something that, that was not quite right. So you just have to be really careful over uh, with who is sending you things. It may not be who you think. Exactly. We see this a lot from Amazon, from FedEx, from UPS, from your bank, from PayPal, where they're playing the odds. What is the probability that 10% of the population bought something from Amazon this week? Probably high. So they're going to send out an email saying, there's a problem with your Amazon order, and we only have one item left in stock. If you don't verify this immediately, you will lose out, and it might take three weeks to get it. The thing you have to remember with the scams is they always have three things in common. They have urgency, they're appealing to your emotions, and they always have a link or an attachment. What I do in all those cases is if I get one of those emails from Amazon, I will delete it. I will then do my browser. I will go to the bookmarked Amazon.com site that I know is legitimate. 
I will log in separately and verify that way. So always do out-of-band verification. Never click on the links, never reply to the emails, never open the attachments. If you think they might be valid, do out-of-band verification either via the web or phone, but don't ever click. Also, most of these sites will tell you they will never ask for personal information, passwords, and they will never send you embedded links in emails. So most sites have that as their standard practice. So if you're ever getting an email asking for information or having embedded links, you can almost guarantee that it's malicious because that's not how those sites operate. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what else should we talk about before we before we get going um, that, that is going to keep people safe and uh, that, that may also be in your book? So, so the two last things I want to always remind people, because this comes up all the time, is does it matter who you are or how much money you have? You're going to be a target. And if that's the way you think, the hackers love you. Because what you have to remember is these are not individuals. This is big business. These hacking groups are companies, and they hire people that have quotas. They have to steal 10,000 identities a month. So to them, you're just a number. If you have an identity, if you have $10 in your bank account, and you have a credit card, you're going to be a target. So that's the first thing. The second thing is every one of the devices that you use has security. That's the good news. The bad news is it's not turned on by default. So if you want to be secure online, you need to turn on the security in your social media. You need to turn on the security in your iPhone. You need to turn on the security in your computer. It's there, but you must opt in and configure it correctly to be secure. All right. Well, Dr. Eric Cole, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to get his book, it is called Online Danger, How to Protect Yourself and Your Loved Ones from the Evil Side of the Internet. Or if you want to go to his website, it is onlinedanger.com. That's it for this hour of Pop Tech Radio. I'm Jason Masters. And again, if you want to listen to any older episodes, you can always find us on iTunes. Or if you want to find any other information about the show, you can go to poptechradio.com. 